a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to the British TV podcast, show number 37. Hello, hello. How you doing, Chrissy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. Yes. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the weather's turning nice. Occasionally. Still a little rainy here and there, but on the whole, it's just nice. The days are long and bright, which I love since I'm so night blind. It's nice not to have to go home and just stay home at five o'clock because I can't see. So We'll have to take a show outside, go to the backyard here and record one outside one of these weeks here before it starts getting dark again. Right. That would be kind of cool. You'd hear the birds tweeting and whatever else would happen out there. Did you see the bizarre on-screen fight last week between Patrick Stewart and James Corden no. at the Glamour Awards? We'll put a link up on in our show notes on YouTube. It's just a bit shocking to see two celebrities expressing their obvious loathing for each other in public. So it wasn't a setup, huh? I don't think so. I mean, at first you think, oh, they're kind of kidding. And then you realize, no, they're not. Because there was the... Country Awards thing where one of the country actresses mimed being really cross that she'd lost. And some people thought that that was that she really was angry and was storming off when it was obviously she was just joking. Now, Patrick kind of gets on stage to present something and uh, tells James Corden that looks like he's bored by putting his hands in his pockets. And then they kind of start just kind of going at each other. And then then finally, Patrick Stewart's insulting him for everyone seeing his gut sticking out and Hmm. So James flashes the audience anyway. Just weird. But so uh, James Corden's in the news there, and we'll be talking about him quite a bit because he figures into this week's episode in sort of a tangential way. Yeah, he's also been doing a bunch of World Cup associated. Yes. Cats. And he was in Doctor Who last week. And <laughs> hit singles, everything. He's all over the place. If I missed the boat not doing a James Corden show My this week. My mom's but... pretty excited to see the Doctor Who because she loves Gavin and Stacey. That's one of her very favorite things. So. He split fandom because for a lot of people in England, they see him as a comedian and they either like or don't like him and they carry that baggage into the show. But for most Americans, though, he's just another actor. Right. And was in the History Boys. Got to tour the world in that. I remember him. It would have been Cruise of the Gods, the first thing I saw. We're going to mention that. Yeah. And then he was on Little Britain playing Daffod's out gay brother. And he was in Fat Friends. I was on a tape I was looking yeah. at today. And every so tape I had had somebody else in it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a show I just read about. So, again, this week's episode, we have news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in the United States, DVD releases, listener feedback. Oh, boy. A quiz. Yeah. And a feature on actor Rob Brydon. So, news. ITV, as expected, scored massive ratings with their broadcast last Saturday of the England versus USA World Cup match, peaking at <laughs> 20... That was, that was a stage yawn, just to get hate mail. We need some more mail. It was a very exciting match. I was screaming at the TV when we scored a goal. Uh, anyway, yeah, the match peaked at 20.1 million viewers, a 73% share <laughs> of the total audience. Well, I bet they were pleased. I'm pretty certain that's the highest this year so far it certainly beats britain's got talent because that was way down this year in the ratings compared to last year without subo in the finals huh yeah itv managed to attract 1.5 million to their hd feed only to accidentally cut to a commercial just as england <laughs> scored the first goal four minutes into the match oh. 
Not since an NFL playoff game was cut off to play the movie Heidi, a famous 1970s NBC blunder, have sports fans been so irate. But the standard definition ITV1 feed was unaffected. Well, there you go. Have you been going out to any of the bars and clubs that are showing? No. No. The only match I've watched was England versus USA. And I I was here because I was watching Doctor Who right before. In fact, I had just enough time to turn over and and see the kickoff because they ran right up once against the other. I was out, took my mother out on, um, I guess it was Saturday, to Applebee's for lunch. And in the bar of Applebee's, there were just about... 20 men watching one of the games and screaming and shouting. It was kind of funny and sleepy old Applebee's to be happening. It would have been fun to watch it with the crowd, but I, I had it on here and, and it well, was fun Well, I to know watch. that the local Seattle newspaper, The Stranger, which is also online that we like, they are sending all the writers out to different bars to live blog the games and letting people know where they'll be. And they said, please don't stalk us, but come say hi, so... <laughs> if you have a favorite stranger writer you might look I'm, on there i'm out blog. of the stranger demographic i'm too old for them oh you're about the age of most of the writers uh, many of the old dan savage dan savage is a lot younger than i am he's older than me and you're not that much older than me so well yeah he's he's three or four years older than i am so he's he's not that much younger than you all right what's on tv for the week of june 16th to the 22nd Let's find out. Wednesday, ITV1 counters the BBC's World Cup coverage with a new Midsummer Murders starring John Nettles. It's called Death and Dust. Rude Britannia concludes on BBC4. Thursday, BBC4 has Frost on Satire with Venerable David Frost, Sir David Frost, I should say, taking a look at those whose job it is to make fun of the high and mighty. Like Charlie Brooker, Ian Hislop. Etc. Etc. Oh yes, and Tina Fey doing parodies of Sarah Palin. Oh yeah. The people piercing famous celebrities and the politicians and things like that. Well, Tina Fey, not British, but no. still to be revered, I think. Well, ITV One has the one hundredth episode of Taggart entitled "Fact and Fiction." Mock the Week is back on BBC Two Thursday with Daryl Breen hosting a number of comedians as they look at the week's current events. Now, do you know about the whole Frankie Boyle thing? I know that he gets in trouble all the time for shooting his mouth off. He's he's off of this show. Oh, is he now? He's gone. Yeah, he, I know he had just was attracting viewer complaints by the bushel load. They cut their losses with Frankie Boyle. Okay. I only get the impression maybe he was in the way of Jerry Sadowitz kind of rude to shock people versus being funny, but... You can go too far, I yep. guess. Friday, with ITV1 showing the England versus Algeria game in prime time, the BBC doesn't even try hard by running a repeat of Inspector George Gently tonight. Hey, at least ITV shows new mysteries opposite World Cup matches on the other side. Yeah, the BBC's been a little lazy there, yeah. I think, because at least ITV's trotting out new programming. But George Gently, of course, always has co-starred Lee Ingleby, who oh, yeah. he likes, so... But it's a mystery even I've seen, so it's a fairly old one. Friday Night with Jonathan Ross on BBC One has Al Green, some members of the cast of Glee, and the Scissor Sisters perform. Now, he's winding down, isn't he? How many more shows does Jonathan have? I don't know. I know there was great speculation about who would the final guest be. Yeah. You know, they'll bring out some really big, grade-A guest for that. Well, you know, I'm always really interested in American comedians that do better in Britain than 
in this country and put albums out there that don't come out here. But the Scissor Sisters is also kind of like that. The lead singer is actually from Seattle, and he used to call up, um, speaking of Dan Savage, the late night radio show that Dan Savage hosted. And as a 14-year-old kid, he would call up and chat to him. So Dan wrote about getting to go to England when the Scissor Sisters were playing some huge venue and getting to say I'm with the band and go backstage because they've kept in touch all these years. They must be sort of famous because I've heard of them and I don't know anything about popular music. Well, a song from its first, the first album was used in the Doctor Who finale the, with John Sim as the master on the third year. Oh, where it he was... was pushing him around in the wheelchair, and I can't think of the title oh, of the song, the song but it was there. a Scissor Sister song. Right. So that was kind of nifty. But yeah, Jake Shears is really uh, from Seattle, so hmm. or at least Washington. He might be from a smaller town. Saturday, Doctor Who on 6.45 on BBC One sees the Pandorica opens. What can be inside it? I'm betting it's the most terrifying opponent the Doctor has ever faced. That's right, the return of Meglos. He was a talking cactus. Oh, I vote for the bubble wrap creature that popped and slithered along on his belly. That was, I don't know that one's name, but... From Doctor Who? Yeah, I've, I was on an old, old episode. I saw it. They had just, bubble wrap had just been invented. So they just wrapped this poor man in bubble wrap, spray painted him green. Oh, the he, maggots. Was that it? And I then think he, it was the green wallop, death. He, it might have been a living maggot. Yeah. Sort of like Moominshants, you know, he just sort of. Okay. Yeah, that was an old uh, 1974. Slithered along there going pop, pop, pop. John Pertwee story. <laughs> I have another Doctor Who theory, but it would be too spoilerific now, but I'll tell you and maybe we'll go over it another time. <laughs> Write it down. We'll see. Well, if you're we right. know that what I predicted last month, it, it just won't come true. It would be cool, but it won't. But I have another idea that I think is a little more. Well, we'll um, see what Stephen gonna happen, comes gonna up happen. with. Okay. It's hard to believe it's the penultimate episode, huh? I know. It's almost over. I'm thinking I'm going to try real hard just to keep it and then watch the two together the next week. So I. Well, that's It'll be tough. It might, well, we'll see. Okay. We'll see if I can do it. I've got, certainly got other stuff to watch, so might happen. Doctor Who Confidential is on Saturday afterwards on BBC Three at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, Channel 4 has Scrap Heap Challenge. ITV's Mystery Tonight on Sunday is an episode of Lewis called Counterculture Blues. Joanna Lumley and Simon Callow guest star. The one who was in Four Weddings and a Funeral, not the guy on American Idol. Do you know that we just got a Miss Marple feature before it ever aired in the UK of the Julia McKenzie Miss Marple? It was episode one of, I guess, their fifth year of... They're running right now. Right. Well, it's been running on KCTS, but it hasn't run in the UK yet. But Joanna Lumley, who was on the first one ever done with um, Genevieve years ago, she just made a return playing the same character, a friend of Miss Marple's on this new series. Well, I have to guess here, and this is only speculation on my part, that ITV has banked all of these mysteries and are sparsing them out during the World Cup here. So it could very well be showing in the next three weeks. But it was funny because I I noticed it online with the KCTS bug in the corner and went, oh, well, looky there, thought I. Alan Carr, Chatty Man, returns to Channel 4 with guests this week, Russell Brand, Pamela Anderson, oh my, and Fresh from Jonathan Ross, the cast of Glee. I guess they're doing a tour over there in Britain, even though the show just quit running. (laughs) Oh, well. Monday, the Graham Norton Show is on BBC One. Guests include Joanna Lumley, yet again, again, and David Hyde Pierce. Remember him from Frasier. Frasier. Now on Broadway. 
I don't know if he's the second on Broadway, but he seems to have been doing show after show on Broadway since Frasier ended. Oh, that's where he came from. Won a Tony Award and everything else. Yeah. I think he was a stage actor originally and Mm -hmm. took a little 10 year detour to do television. Tuesday, take a chance with BBC's new comedy, Mongrels, an adult multi-species puppet comedy about five animals who hang out in the backyard of an inner-city pub. Kitty Brand and Paul Kay provide some of the voices. And advance notice for next Wednesday, the 23rd, in case you don't listen to our next podcast the day it comes out, on BBC4 will be Christopher Eccleston's turn as John Lennon in Lennon Naked. Naiko Mori from Torchwood plays Yoko Ono. It should be interesting. That's be awfully pretty Yoko Ono. In the United States, on BBC America this week, Wednesday there's Top Gear, The Inbetweeners, and Peep Show. Friday, Not Going Out, Friday Night with Jonathan Ross, and the last ever episode of Gavin and Stacey. And we'll have a feature about actor Rob Brydon, who plays Bryn in the series, in just a few minutes. Saturday, Doctor Who, it's Cold Blood, which sees the Doctor trying to avert a war between humans and reptile creatures who've been woken underneath the Earth. Don't forget, we did a feature on guest star Mira Sayal in show 24. Now that it's been revealed that the creatures formerly known as Silurians uh, are in this uh, episode there, have you ever seen any of their other appearances in the classic series? No. Oh, so this is all new for you. But were they... uh, Were they... Wearing masks originally? Or no, they actually that... had three eyes. Oh. They had a middle eye that could be used to paralyze people. I mean, there definitely were men in rubber suits. Yes. but uh, So they've, they've restyled them quite a bit. Graham Norton is also on Saturday. And Monday, new episodes of Top Gear. Tuesday, Ashes to Ashes continues. The Sundance Channel has Shameless on Friday nights. Sunday, Showtime has the series finale to The Tudors. Ah, so Jonathan Rhys-Meyer's in a fat suit? No, I don't think so. I think really? they just put some gray in his hair, and that's pretty mm. much it. Once again, my wife complains, not a redhead. On Adult Swim on Friday nights, there's Look Around You at 1.30 a.m. The second season of Merlin continues on the Sci-Fi Channel Friday. PBS's Masterpiece Mystery has a new Miss Marple mystery, The Secret of Chimneys, Sunday. And it could be a... Not a world premiere. You Another... said this series already ran in Australia, didn't you? That was a couple of years ago. That was series four, but this, oh, okay. I'm talking about series five. This is series five. That's what one. it yeah. says on the website. Right. And um, yeah, it hasn't aired yet in the UK. Well, there you it go. It was quite a good one. I liked it. It was Lindsay Duncan was the star. Hmm. So we like her a lot. Oh, yes. She played an American. Oh, gosh, really? Yeah. It's an American <laughs> film actress. Very well preserved who had a husband half her age and... Hmm. And Will uh, Young, formerly uh, Britain, the pop idol, from, he he played opposite her in a movie, which was even funnier. Cause, oh, yeah, the guest yeah. cast of those things are yeah, impressive. It was, it was my good. wife will be watching and be like, oh, my gosh, look at all the people in this. Mm-hmm. Just doing little bit parts. DVD releases. The Raffles Complete Collection, the 1977 series starring Anthony Valentine as gentleman thief A.J. Raffles in Victorian England is available. Linda LaPlante's Trial and Retribution, set four, is out. So our feature this week is on Rob Brydon. And now my heart can forget the way you smile at me. Rob Brydon is a Welsh-born actor, comedian, and voiceover artist. 
He has long been associated with Steve Coogan and his Baby Cow production company. We profiled Steve Coogan back in show eight. Among other claims to fame, Rob Brydon used to be a continuity announcer on BBC One, those anonymous voices you hear over the BBC Globe rotating the background just before a show starts. After a number of bit parts in films, television, and computer games in the 1990s, Rob got his first starring appearance on TV in Human Remains on BBC Two in 2000. He co-wrote and co-starred with Julia Davis in this dark, twisted comedy that each week focused on a different, dysfunctional married couple. Rob and Julia always played the couple, and the pain and suffering the characters are enduring while trying to put a brave face on it is sometimes a bit hard to take. Here's a clip where they play florist in Brighton, but something has gone terribly wrong in their relationship. What are you thinking about, love? Taking my own life. I see it now. Do you know what I see out there? I see a boat. You know what I see on the boat? Me and you. Do you know what we're doing? We're cruising. Cruising together on the high seas. Having a lovely cruise. Eh? Yeah, you still feel like taking your own life. Yeah. That's it. Onward and upward. Together, forever, together when apart. Together, forever, like a horse and a cart. I married you. I liked that series a lot. And there was actually one couple where they were quite happy and content together. And that was an episode called Slither In, which is just a throwaway comment where they're getting ready to go tuck in for the night and he flips up the blanket and says well slither in didn't really have much else but they were running a b&b but also were in the lifestyle as they put it because they were swingers but the other five they're miserable they are miserable um pretty stunning though in terms of the characterization especially julia but i liked rob too i watched all the background bits on the dvd set for that too and they had actually met doing kind of a theater sports workshop in Bath where they were both living and then when they moved to London just improvised themselves with tape recorders and video cameras and on the basis of those got a whole series commission they didn't have to make a pilot so pretty good right out of the gate they they really had some fine observations there and Mm -hmm. often a lot it was what wasn't said rather than what was said that you learned about the characters but wow, it was a tough slog sometimes. I mean, I'm a big fan of British TV, and obviously this podcast exists to proselytize it to everyone, but I'm not sure I would actually recommend Human Remains to someone. It's really hard to get through, and just these people, you're just, oh, you're, they're, you're, they're so, so unhappy. It's a bit of a precursor to The Office, I would say, definitely. With oh, that but at least there were little, humor. tiny germs of hope <laughs> in The Office. And the fact they all had jobs, you have a feeling watching Human Remains that you know, these are people who, who really have given up on life, they have no hope, there's no future, this is just seeing a little microcosm of what their existence is, it's never going to change, it's never going to get better. And as an American, just that lack of hope really is, is hard to absorb, I think. Plus it wasn't, you know, laugh out funny, it was just more of the, like I say, the little observational moments in it. Or someone would say something, you'd go, oh, gosh, that says a lot. Well, I did enjoy it. Oh, it's well made. Especially like the character, Rob had one character where he came up with an annoying laugh, and it was the most realistic. It was a stupid, silly laugh, but it did sound like a laugh somebody could have. It was just brilliant. And he played, his character was slightly cockeyed, so he had a 
entire eyeball contact lens that oh. would be slightly that matched his other eye but was slightly askew but he kept putting it in different ways so one <laughs> eyeball always looked a little bit off in a different direction up or down or to the right or the left in each scene just never straight ahead matching the other one so that was great fun oh yeah the attention to detail was great and say well done and real realized that they could do six completely different characters every week it was a tough slog i like grim but boy there's grim and there's grim <laughs> <laughs> Also beginning in 2000, Rob Brydon brought to television the character of Keith Barrett, who had originally appeared during his Radio Wales days. Keith was a minicab driver and the only person who was seen in Marion and Jeff. Recorded as a series of video diaries inside his car, Keith's monologues addressed directly to the camera were glimpsed in short 10-minute episodes, mostly going on about how his wife Marion had left him for Jeff. Despite the facts, ever-optimistic Keith holds out hope of winning Marion back, even with divorce proceedings in motion. Mr. Redford, the solicitor. I see quite a lot of him. I mean, it's a rocky path, the, the divorce. So I feel by seeing him as much as I do, I'm oiling the path. Well, that, uh, oh, that went very well. Uh, very well. Mr. Edford on top form. We did, uh, role-playing, would you believe? <laughs> he was Marion's, uh, attorney, solicitor. I was me, Keith. And he really went at me. I mean, some very, very personal questions about my role as a husband and a father. Um, I coped pretty well. I was pleased. Then afterwards, he's very thorough. We went over all the the ins and outs and he said you know as he said to me he said Keith very good uh, some areas we're gonna have to brush up on um, and as he said you know you, you you don't need me to tell you Keith that the tears are doing you no favors which is fair enough you have to hand it to Rob Bryden for playing what are great a loser characters but something that is consistent to nearly all of them is their eternal cheerful spirit and refusal to ever see the glass as half empty he could be said to personify that great British ideal of always maintaining a stiff upper lip and, as Winston Churchill said, keep buggering on, no matter how bleak circumstances are. After two seasons of Marion and Jeff's little 10-minute shorts, we got the whole backstory in a 2001 special called A Small Summer Party. It revealed the events leading up to Keith and Marion's marriage breaking up, with the heretofore unseen Marion and Jeff, as well as Keith's children, all appearing on camera this time. It was still told in a semi-documentary style using camcorders and no laugh track. It tested the viewer's patience to tolerate no-hope losers who don't see the obvious in front of them, in this case, Marion's flagrant affair with Jeff. Of note was producer Steve Coogan's appearance as Jeff, who, judging from what we see, might be worse off now that Marion is with him. In 2002's Cruise of the Gods, starred Rob Brydon as Andy Van Allen, a former TV star of a schlocky Blake Seven-like cult TV show from 20 years ago called Children of Castor. Andy is now a hotel porter, and he accepts an invite to attend a convention aboard a cruise ship to mingle with the rabid fans of his old series because he needs the money and attention. It was a great send-up of science fiction fans and their devotion to their favorite series. Don't know anybody like that. Mm. personified by the con organizer played by David Williams. Oh, with his itty-bitty bangs. Yes, he played <laughs> a character named Lurky. Oh. James Corden of Gavin and Stacey made an early TV appearance in Cruise of the Gods as one of the attendees who also harbors a secret. 
What happened to the person who had this arm? She died. I'm surprised. That was my mum's. She a big fan as well, was she? She was a mutoid in Ep 3 Season 1, Windows. Russell, how old are you? 20. I don't look much like you, do I? No, no, no! Russell! I think I'm your father. You are. Well, what are you doing? I'm giving it you back. It's, it's yours. From the show. You gave it to me, Mum. <laughs> OK. So, are you a fan of the show? Oh, it's just all I had of you. Mum wouldn't let me call you. So you're not a fan of the show? No, it's rubbish. <laughs> oh, thank God for that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, the plots are incredibly stretched. Tell me about it. <laughs> Characters never did really develop. They were two-dimensional. <laughs> Absolutely. Substandard acting. Could only work with the material we got. I mean, that's not important, but, you know. Right. God. <laughs> My son. Uh, what, do, what do we do now? It's up to you, really, isn't it? Cruise of the Gods also featured Steve Coogan and is available on Region 2 DVD. It's a charming movie and a must-see if you are a science fiction convention goer with a sense of humor. In 2004, Rob Brydon lent his voice to ITV's Director's Commentary, a parody of the common DVD extra. Using episodes of Bonanza and Duchess of Duke Street, among others, Brydon plays an old duffer British director who supposedly worked on the shows and now years later has been commissioned to comment upon the action. At first... You don't realize it's a wind-up, but as he goes on about Haas, Little Joe, and Ben Cartwright, slowly it begins to dawn that he's speaking utter but hilarious rubbish. And the fact that it's so close to actual commentaries foisted on the unsuspecting public by well-meaning but boring speakers just makes it all that much funnier. Hello. Hello. My name is Peter Delane, and it's a great pleasure to welcome you to this director's commentary for Bonanza. One of... The highlights of my years in the United States of America. Classic tale, cowboys, Indians, and surveyors. And a super Delane 3, a trademark Delane 3 coming up. The good guys and the bad guys, good guys on the right, bad guy on the left. But look what I've done. I've got a good guy in a black hat. Well done, Peter. You mean your father's selling out? Raised a lot of issues, that. Put us on the cover of Newsweek. Can a good man wear a black hat? Can a black man wear a good hat? I think so. Look at Samuel Jackson, very stylish dresser. Royale with cheese. Already we've got conflict. And that's again a trademark of a Delane show. Put the casey! Put the conflict in. Early so that the viewer knows that he's in for a bumpy ride. <laughs> that was Director's Commentary. 
And in the end, Keith Barrett wasn't a complete loser. Viewers warmed to him so much from Marion and Jeff that Keith got his own good-natured chat show in 2004. In the aptly named The Keith Barrett Show, Bryden's character became a TV star by giving relationship advice to other celebrity couples in front of a live audience. It ran for two seasons on the BBC. In 2005 Supernova, Rob played a Welsh astrophysicist who gets a job working in the remote Australian outback. Made by Australian television, it boasted perhaps the best production values ever seen in a situation comedy. It looked like a feature film, even though it was just a half-hour series. The humor came from Rob's fish-out-of-water adventures with his wacky Australian co-workers. The 12 episodes of Supernova have turned up on public television occasionally. In 2006, Rob starred in Annually Retentive as himself, or at least a monstrous comedy version of Rob Brydon, who presents a celebrity panel show. Like the Larry Sanders show, Annually Retentive is more about the show behind the show, and we laugh at Rob's blustering and poor behavior when the cameras aren't rolling. Part of the show included the fake game show with real celebrities presided over by Rob and filmed in front of a live audience. Like the Keith Barrett show, Annually Retentive aimed to blur the line between fiction and real life. That is, if real life is made up of celebrities on TV. And in 2007, writers James Corden and Ruth Jones called upon Rob to play good old Uncle Bryn in their breakout comedy, Gavin and Stacy. Oh, Stace, I tell you what, you could do a lot worse. No words of a lie, when they die, you'd be loaded. Nessa! She's got a point, Gwen. I mean, let's face it. When Trevor died, God rest his soul, he left you a penniless widow. You don't want to see Stace go down that same terrible route, do you? I can't believe this. I'm not even married yet and already talking about my in-laws dying. You've got to think about these things, love. I mean, had you ended up with Leighton, right? You'd be living on the breadline because his family had nothing. Howell's lot. Well, they were much better off, at least with Ahmed. Uh, you felt there was a bit put by, but that's in their culture, see? Bryn, we are not to mention the other engagements. Stace will tell him when she's ready. I just don't see the point in upsetting him. Yeah, nor the family. You want to think of the inheritance. Look, they're just ordinary people. They're not mega rich, nor nothing. Champagne, everyone! Who's for champagne? Here we go, Stacey. There you are. Gwen. There you go, Nessa. So, a toast to the happy couple. Gavin and Stacey! Oh, Gavin, Gavin and Stacey! Congratulations! Gavin and Stacey's last episode will be shown this Friday on BBC America. Despite pleas from fans for more episodes, Corden and Jones have ruled out, at least for now, doing any more, and Rob Bryan himself is quoted as saying he's not interested in another season. But a Christmas special? Well, stranger things have happened. Remember Jennifer Saunders drawing a line in her absolutely fabulous more than once, saying, no, no, oh, that's yeah. it, we're not going to make any more. And... The last shout, and then she's made tons more since yes. then. Yes. But her characters just stayed in her head, I guess. <laughs> the BBC bags. Mm -hmm. Lately, Rob Brydon has been hosting the real celebrity panel show, Would I Lie to You? Originally, it was hosted by Angus Deaton, but Rob replaced him for the second series. Rob has also appeared on Have I Got News For You and on QI. Oh, most excellent on QI. He's very funny. Done some very funny voices and gets those droll comments out there. Then of course, when he was sat next to Ben Miller, they had the running joke of who was who was who because they do look a bit alike. That was funny. He's got a stand-up act too, doesn't he? Yes, a lot of character comedy and then him just talking. And 
he was a little worried because he was so popular when he started doing it that he was thrust immediately into rather big theaters for somebody without a lot of onstage stand-up experience. But he, he did pretty well, I thought. I saw him on one of um, one of those charity concert shows where everybody comes and does 10 minutes, and he kind of bombed. Ooh. It was hard to watch, but maybe that spurred him on to work harder on it. He was doing Tom Jones impressions, and they didn't go over well, and that was kind of it. sure wasn't deliberate. No. no. He looked a little worried and glad to be off by the end. And oh, dear. It, it's very rare that you see him make a misstep, though. He's, he's pretty good at the many, many things he does. All the way from his toilet duck commercials and <laughs> and the small man trapped in a box voice. You've heard that, haven't you? Yeah. That's exceptional. Well, let's say he's got a great voiceover there. Obviously a very good writer because he comes up with a lot of the improvs and characterizations and things. Like that, and, mm-hmm. and being a good you know, straight actor as well. So that's Rob Brydon. Yeah, and I, he owes quite a debt to Steve Coogan too. Oh, yes. Steve Coogan. And Henry Normal. Well, Steve Coogan has, that's right, Henry Normal is Steve Coogan's partner with Baby Cat Productions, but does nearly all of the work in the office. Steve Coogan is somebody who who got into show business at a pretty young age, so he's been around a long time, and he saw the tapes that Julia and Rob had made, improvising and creating all their Human Remains characters, and bumped into him and said that he saw a lot of tapes, and not too many people would stick out, but Rob had. And then all of a sudden, Rob and Julia had their television series without even having to do a pilot. And they've worked together many times and plan to do it again. Besides Cruise of the Gods, they did um, a feature film with Michael. Is it Michael Winterbottom? Who was it called? Tristam Shandy. Oh, yeah, the, the Steve Cooper movie where he plays Rob Brydon and they they actually, he gets into you know, kind of a fight because he's got a rival with Steve Coogan and right. you're wondering, how much of this is real or are they just kind of goofing on their Steve personas? Steve Coogan wants lifts in his shoes because Rob's taller. You know? <laughs> and then they bring Gillian Anderson in because they think they need a sexy American star in their movie and Rob's has to act with her and he's so nervous because he has a big crush on her. And I think that was really art imitating life there too. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like he's everywhere, but still, unlike some people, he doesn't hasn't worn on as welcome with me. I'm always happy to see him, especially on QI. Oh, yeah, I think it was quite a coup to get him in Gavin and Stacey. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though there's a lot of Allison Steadman and a lot of other good people, Russell Tovey turns up in there. But, yeah. but having... Ruth, Ruth Jones was in Human Remains. Did you remember that? She had a few parts here and there in the series. Mm. So she was in their group in Bath with them that where they all met doing their improv classes. and well, I say I stumbled across an episode of Fat Friends today, mm-hmm. which was a Kay Miller drama that uh, James Corden and Ruth Jones had been in, and they had worked together on that. But yeah, getting casting good old uh, Rob Brydon in there as Uncle Bryn was a really good move because he was a very joyful guy and all the Welsh jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, the IT crowd returns to Channel 4 and And to celebrate one of my favorite sitcoms, we will bring you up to speed about the series and the folks who make it. So join us in show 38 for a look at the IT crowd. Listener feedback. We've got a couple of items from Michael. Last week, Chrissy mentioned Hugh Grant and that he nearly had five points on his driver's license in the UK, which meant he might lose his license. Michael writes, quote, Just to update you, 12 points results in a driving ban. Points are given depending on the offense. A normal speeding offense is usually three points, but expire after a number of years. 
You can therefore get a ban by accumulating 12 points from individual speeding offenses. The length of the ban depends on the offenses. I think for some of the bans, if not all, you now have to retake a driving test to get your license back. For some offenses, you may now get the option of points or an educational course. He later goes on to say, though, you can now be disqualified after only six points if they accumulate in the first two years after passing your test. So if Hugh Grant indeed had been a new driver at the time, then that's what maybe you were thinking of. Well, this was 15 years ago, but I really remember reading about it in People magazine. So oh, I don't know how well how good fact their fact checkers check. are. Don't know, but that's what I read about that. He, he was in danger of losing his license if he didn't really calm down on the roads back in the UK. All right. So be careful of Hugh Grant's road driving about. Mm-hmm. But Michael has also sent us a quiz. Ooh. It's a trivia contest, and he's put together some sound wow. clips of classic science fiction shows, and we have to guess the name of the show. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to play the clips first. I have not heard these. If I go over five, then we'll delete the segment. No, <laughs> we'll play it. I'll, I'll play my shame here. And uh, we'll both write down our answers, and then we can confer. Okay. And then folks at home can play along as well. And then there's a longer version of it, and then Michael gives us the answers. Okay. So well, here, huh. here we go. Sci-fi isn't my forte, but let's give it a shot. Hi, Chrissy and Ryan. This is Michael, and this week I have a theme tune quiz for you. <laughs> I'm going to play five short intro clips from classic British sci-fi shows to see if you can identify them. And no, Doctor Who would be too easy, so that's not one of them. (laughs) Then I'll play a longer clip with the answers. ones i thought he was going to actually pick because i thought did you not say i i don't recognize a single one i'm just not wow watched that sort of thing i i did warn him that anything before 1990 was going to slip you up so here's what i have see if you folks can follow along and we'll then we'll play the longer ones uh the first one was ufo ufo right Mm -hmm. second one another jerry anderson show space 1999 Mm -hmm. the first season the third one was blake seven the fourth one was sapphire and steel You've seen that, haven't you? Oh, you should check out Sapphire and Steel. That's a great show. And the fifth one was The Tomorrow People. And it's kind of funny because I was reading Jeff Jensen's column on Entertainment Weekly's website. And for no reason at all, he included, he embedded a Tomorrow People credit sequence in his column about Lost. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know quite what the connection was. He says, I'm going to just put in an obscure t- British TV show thing in there. And it's a great Dudley Simpson theme song. Well, you know, I was going to write down a couple of those just because I guess they'd probably be among them, but I wouldn't know what they were, <laughs> what they belonged to. All right, well, let's see what he says. Those were the five teasers. If it was too hard, here are the longer clips. <laughs> The 
That was UFO, or as they refer to it, UFO, created by Jerry and Sylvia Anderson with Reg Hill, starring Ed Bishop as the commander Ed Straker, the head of the secret shadow organisation. They were hidden in film studios as cover and tasked to defend Earth from alien invaders. Gabrielle Drake played the Moonbase commander Lieutenant Gay Ellis, and for some reason all Moonbase personnel wore purple wigs. On to clip number two. It's 1999 and the moon is knocked out of orbit by an explosion of nuclear waste stored on the far side of the moon. Yes, you guessed it, this is Space 1999. Airing from 1975 to 1977, this was the last production from Jerry and Sylvia Anderson and starred Martin Landau as Commander John Koenig and Barbara Bain as Dr Helena Russell. Time for clip number three. Running for four series from 1978 to 1981 on the BBC and created by Terry Nation, famous for the Daleks on Doctor Who, Blake 7 follows the exploits of a group of political renegades on the run from Space Commander Servalan, the glamorous but ruthless head of the Terran Federation. Clip number four. Irregularities will be handled by the forces controlling each dimension. Transuranic heavy elements may not be used where there is life. Medium David McCallum and Joanna Lumley play the title characters in this ITV show, Sapphire and Steel. Running from 1979 to 1982 and created by Peter J. Hammond, Sapphire and Steel are a pair of interdimensional operatives whose purpose is never fully explained. They appear to be engaged in guarding the order, if not the integrity of time. And now for the last clip. The Tomorrow People was a children's show created by Roger Price that aired on the ITV network between 1973 and 1979. The show was rebooted in 1992. The show centred on the next stage of human evolution to Homo Superior, otherwise known as the Tomorrow People. They experienced a process of breaking out, usually in their teens, which saw them develop special powers such as telepathy, telekinesis and teleportation. That's it for this time. Hope you enjoyed it. All the best, Michael. Thank you very much, Michael, you, Michael, for doing that. Well, I was hopeless. Wow. I wrote, I thought I knew the names that would be in there, but I couldn't have matched them to the tunes. I, I never watched any of those. This is like my secret mutant ability, though, was doing TV theme song oh, things. Goodness. I've done competitions before, and I, I usually get almost all of them.
I only got tripped up once in England when I was doing this, and they played Crossroads, and I didn't know what Crossroads <laughs> was at the time. I do now. Very famous theme song. So Michael said he might do some more in different genres, so Ooh. go for it. Different genres, I might then do much better. And thanks for your feedback, too. Yes, thank you. Maybe we'll have to get Michael on the show sometime, get his perspective on things. Yeah. Meanwhile, we'd like you to go to our website, all of you. Uh, it's at www.britishtvpodcast.com, and there you can find links to headlines, show notes, what's on TV this week, send us feedback, or find the archive of our previous 36 shows. And you can send us feedback at feedback at britishtvpodcast.com. It's okay to send us corrections or suggestions or anything. We always use ideas for future features that you would like to hear about because sometimes we run out of ideas. <laughs> Just a bit, but then they then they come flowing back, though. Yes. That's the good thing about British TV. There's more and more of it all the time. That's true. So, anything else, Chrissy? No, not at all. Was... Okay. A blank slate for the week. <laughs> <laughs> I will get some more World Cup games on Friday, which feature Americans and the Britons. I'm going to start... Rooting for England now that they're no longer in direct opposition to the United States. Unless we meet again in the final. Oh, wouldn't that be great? But very unlikely. (laughs) Oh, well. Okay, so thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.